Dr. Sharma, thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, it seems like our uh, fertility rate in Canada has dropped again this year. Maybe just go over the numbers of where we're at and and where we were prior to the pandemic and and the numbers we're seeing this year. Yeah, I mean, the specifics, I probably don't have the year by year, but I can tell you from reviewing the content in the news uh, this morning, actually, it seems like there's been a steady decline of 1% to 2% since around the COVID pandemic. And, you know, that's fairly significant. And one of the things I would add is that this is a universal occurrence globally. It's not just in Canada. And so there's definitely something there. Yeah, and I I, I appreciate you on the specifics. I do have some here, but I I read it as well this morning when I was researching this uh, segment with you. But, but, you know, back in, in, um, it's been dropping from 1.47 children Poor woman in 2019 to a record low of 1.40 in 2020. Um, it's the numbers have gone down again from that. I always heart, I, I guess, have a a bit of trepidation putting out these numbers because a lot of times listeners go, "What's 1.7 children?" And I get that, right? Yeah. So, um, but it's going down is the issue. So that now that we've established that, we wanted to have you on and just talk about some of the reasons for that. Right. Well, I think that. The world is sort of full of unrest right now. And this all started with this giant global pandemic. And patients were unsure whether they wanted to bring children into this world. Um, And the granular part of this was the economic instability, the fact that people were losing their jobs um, and unsure of what their annual household income would look like, potentially post-pandemic. They were fearing um, just like what this type of pandemic meant to medical care, health care, the environment. And I think, you know, there was a lot of trepidation, especially in the Gen Z population, as to whether they wanted to actually bring children into this world. This is coupled by the fact that fertility treatment is still very, very expensive. And so if you don't have the money to pay for fertility, then... How are you going to do it? Not to mention, once you have the child, raising a child, the cost of raising a child from birth to sending them to university has just gone up and up and up. And now, post-pandemic, we're seeing rises in inflation rates, still have the job instability, um, interest rates rising, potentially uh, real estate taxes increasing. And so all of that is very cumbersome to patients. On top of all that, there's the medical piece. So let's say you during COVID lost your job and couldn't have a baby during that two-year window. And then after that, you had to build back up funds. Now you're two, three years older and your fertility is probably a lot less. So it's more difficult to conceive. So I think these are all the major factors. Right. And those are the major ones for sure. And we I, I, that makes sense, right? Um, I'm wondering how much weighs into the idea, though, of what we're eating, drinking, and, and, and prior to the pandemic when the numbers were decreasing as well. Um, everything you just said there makes total sense, obviously. And, the, and then there's the other ones that maybe pre-pandemic we were concerned with. What, what are some of those issues that may be causing it as well? Yeah. I mean, certainly I think there's a huge focus on maintaining a healthy diet, lifestyle and you are what you eat and so yes absolutely i mean we live in a first world modern country where we consume lots of processed food um and so that all can definitely be contributing to health and wellness um you know the the idea that people are not 
as physically active, all of that is related to fertility. So now there's been a bit of a shift where we really, as fertility doctors, not just focused on the medicine of fertility treatment, but what else you can do to sort of prepare your body for fertility treatment and um, having a baby. And that goes for men and women. And so, yeah, nutritional factors, lifestyle, diet, body mass index, exercise, other health problems, maximizing your potential around that is really important. And so we talk about like vitamins that are really good for um, health of egg and sperm. We talk about um, a well-balanced diet. You know, the Mediterranean diet is often touted as being best for fertility, um, consuming lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, uh, lean meats, fish, um, and uh, exercising two to three times a week and maintaining an ideal body weight. All of these things can definitely contribute to good, medium, or poor fertility. You mentioned cost, uh, doctor, and I wanted to get into that because I, I, I think that that's an important part of it. And, and I, I feel um, nothing's more disappointing than people who want to have a baby and, and want to go to a fertility clinic and then just can't afford it. That, that's kind of heartbreaking to me. What are some of the costs if, if there's a couple that needs help with fertility? Right. Well, in many provinces, the initial consult is covered by insurance or the um, provincial health plan. Certainly, I'm from Ontario, and so the initial consult is covered, which is nice. But once you get into your fertility testing, although many of the tests are covered under provincial health plans, there are certain tests that are more specialized that are not covered. And that in and of itself is a cost just in your diagnostic testing. Then once you get to a diagnosis and you're looking at treatment, whether that be fertility medication in the form of pills or injections and what we call IUI or intrauterine insemination, which is sort of level one of fertility treatment, that can cost up to $1,000 a month or more. And if you get into the more aggressive fertility treatments, which many men and women need, particularly if they're older or they have other infertility issues, that's IVF or in vitro fertilization. Unfortunately, it's not covered by most provincial health plans in most provinces. Ontario does have a um, single cycle funded um, IVF plan, but there's a long wait list for it and you only get one IVF cycle. And generally, IVF cycles range in the cost of twelve to $20,000. And so that's a lot of money when the annual household income might not be, you know, even $100,000. So these costs are very high, especially if you need more than one cycle. The good thing is, and I always like to you know, cite the good news, I think this is becoming much more of an issue that's coming to the forefront in fertility. Having fertility issues is being recognized as a true medical issue. And, um, you know, provinces and government and health spending accounts are starting to cover more fertility treatment, potentially cover IVF, definitely covering some, some of the medications. And there's a lot of third-party payers and um, foundations, like one of the ones I'm involved in called Fertility Friends Foundation, who are providing grants and financial assistance to fertility patients that otherwise can't access or pay for care. Yeah, and we here in Winnipeg just got the Heartland Fertility Clinic that just had their grand opening here and and has come about. I I did want to talk to you about that. Like you mentioned, you know, provinces are coming along. Where are we in Canada with this? Because I know a lot of Manitobans have to travel when this comes up. Hopefully not now with this clinic that's being opened. Um, But it, it really is something that is expensive. But if you have the funds, people do go to extreme lengths for this, right? They, they have traveled yeah. and everything else. How are we province to province when it comes to fertility? It's still pretty disparate. And, um, you know, on the West Coast and the East Coast, so in BC and in Ontario, 
there's probably more fertility clinics than you can count because these are sort of the highly populated areas of the country, right? So I can tell you on Toronto, there's a fertility clinic on every street corner. But when you get further out and into the middle of the country where the population is scarcer, as you said, there's like one fertility clinic like in 200, 300 miles, right? The beauty is travel is, although it's cumbersome, it is possible. So one of the nice things that came out of the pandemic was that we have realized that fertility treatment is one of the uh, types of medicine that's really amenable to remote medical treatment and remote consultation. So I do a lot of consults across the country and they're done virtually. So patients don't have to fly over to see me. And then by using virtual medicine and virtual and labs in their local area, Patients can, can get monitored locally and only kind of come to their fertility clinic once or twice to do their actual procedures. So while it's not perfect, this whole concept of travel medicine and virtual medicine has really helped things along um, for patients to be able to access the care they need. And so that coupled with the financial assistance, hopefully we are putting a dent in, um, you know, the problem of infertility and helping more families go, you know, build their dream, you know, families. What would you recommend for anybody listening to this who just, uh, we're thinking about this, like how do we go about it? What's the first step? Yeah. So, I mean, first you have to decide if you're in the category of wanting to conceive or you've been trying to conceive and it has not worked out, or if you want to be proactive about your fertility, which I think is a great sort of arena right now. So there are lots of people out there who are not ready to have kids, but know they want kids later or may want kids later. And they're looking to evaluate their fertility now and potentially even be proactive to freeze eggs or freeze embryos or freeze sperm. So let's talk about the first category. If you're ready to conceive or you've been trying to conceive and it hasn't worked out, I would say early appointment with the fertility doctor is key. Don't wait around. Now you can self-refer or get your family doctor to refer you as soon as possible. You don't have to wait an entire year to see a doctor, particularly if there are any red flags. You have irregular periods. There's a history of infertility in your family. You have a known medical issue that could contribute to fertility. Um, You're of older age as a woman, if you're over 35, or even if you're a guy and you're older than 40, if you're single or you know you need an egg donor, a sperm donor, because you're in a same-sex male or female relationship, seek out fertility care early, and we're all happy to see you. And by seeing someone early, you can diagnose problems earlier and get moving faster so that the age factor doesn't catch up with you and take advantage of some of these opportunities. So on the second side, if you're like, oh, I just want to find out about my reproductive health, and I know I want to have kids later, same thing. Absolutely see a fertility doctor sooner, because There are lots of options out there where you can freeze your eggs, freeze your sperm, or freeze embryos. There is a cost attached to all these things, but this is a way that you can sort of freeze your fertility in time when you're younger, such that if you meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright later on, five years later, then you have these younger gametes or younger embryos available for you for later use. And it's really revolutionized fertility treatment. And at the very least, even if you don't pursue those options, you've at least gotten a snapshot of your fertility and can plan your fertility and family planning. Excellent stuff. What a fascinating interview. Really appreciate your time and insight, doctor. And thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much. Have a great day.